everybody, and welcome back to the Talking CX podcast. This is our second episode in the season. On our first episode, we had the pleasure of having Girl Kurt, the founder and CEO of Alterna CX, with us, talking to us about the differences in Central European CX practices. Um, how they do things differently than we do here in the U.S. or other parts of the world. And that was a very enlightening conversation. I think the most interesting part about um, Goral's conversation in the last podcast was um, correctly pointing that it's there's cultural differences in Central Europeans. I think the other point about that is that, you know, we're not implying that Every single person in Central Europe acts one way and every single person in every company in the United States or North America acts another way. These oh, are, of course not. These are generalizations, but um, yes. I think you and I were talking the other day that you know one of the things that I always get interested about, especially in the United States, which is such a melting pot, is you know I wonder how much these traits have an impact on someone who's either you know, a recent immigrant from Central Europe, or maybe even a first generation or second generation immigrant from Central Europe who has, you know, some of those cultural aspects here and how that changes things. But I mean, that gets, you know, awfully nuanced, but I, I thought it was a, a great conversation about, you know, things that we don't always pay attention to every day in our own backyards, wherever in the world our backyard might be. Absolutely. So here is girl, Kurt. He was kind enough to agree to come back again for a second podcast and talk about the five top promising trends for 2022 in CX, the way he sees it. Or even the five top predictions for 2022. Right. So here is our conversation with Gurel Kurt on the top five promising trends trends in 2022 or even the five top <laughs> predictions to tw- there are no trends There's would you only like to introduce this podcast Graham? <laughs> i'd be happy to <laughs> go right ahead great so uh so we're welcoming back a uh, girl kurt uh to discuss uh his and alterna cx's five top predictions for what's most important in 2022 we're excited to be back here with Gurul, Kurt, and Graham. We have Graham here. Hi, Graham. Hi, Robin. Great to be here. Great to have everybody here. Hi, Gurul. Hi, great to be here again. Thank you again for inviting. Yes. Yes, you're very welcome. We appreciate you. And for this podcast, what we want to cover is you have put out a report. The five top predictions for 2022. And so we'd like to have a discussion about that, girl, and help us clue in as to why you put this report together. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, as Alterna, um, we are continuously produ- uh, producing such uh, content, uh, whether uh, it's in the form of ebooks or uh, newsletters, always in CX domain, which is um, our expertise uh, area. So this is one of our latest uh, ebooks. Um, uh, and uh, we believed the time was right, as you uh, also mentioned, this is uh, coming to, uh, towards the end of the year. Um, so the topic is uh, um, the five major trends um, for 2022 that six professionals must be watching. Um, uh, so uh, there are topics uh, inside, and uh, I would say uh, these topics have been around uh, for some time. So it's not like 
um, they're new and we just uh, came up with them. But what um, uh, is different is we believe that these topics have become more relevant and urgent uh, in 2022 um, um, uh, based on the things we've gone through altogether, um, uh, including COVID uh, as well as other things. Uh, so this is not based on our intuition only. This is coming from our uh, customer discussions, um, from uh, expert readings, uh, as well as market observations. So it's a combination of all these sources um, that made us believe that these topics will be uh, the relevant topics for 22, uh, 2022's agenda. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And so what are these five topics? Just just list them off for us. Sure. Uh, so if I just list them now, um, um, the first one is um, real-time customer experience analytics. Um, uh, this, the, other, the second one is um, we believe that problem solving matters more than ever now. Uh, the third one, uh, we believe omnichannel is not an option. It's a necessity. For 2022, uh, then comes demand for hyper personalization, uh, and the last uh, is the rise of uh, employee experience. So, in this ebook, uh, we are explaining the reasons behind why I believe these uh, uh, topics are relevant. So, how do you define each one? They, they, these terms may have different meanings to different people, but how do you define them? If you could sure. start with the first one and just go through the last one. Sure. So let's start with the first one, like you said, they're uh, real-time uh, customer experience uh, analytics. So basically with customer experience analytics, um, uh, we mean uh, CX-related uh, data, including but not limited to voice of customer data uh, and uh, making use of the technology, um, uh, analyzing, um, as I explained, um, um, the root causes, um, their impact, what needs to change, um, and what actions needs to be taken, all those things. Um, so this has always been important. Uh, this is, is, it's not like uh, it has become uh, important in 2022. But what has happened is we see an, a, a, a trend where the tolerance uh, of the customer uh, to wait is going down. Um, this is also empowered with the increased digital uh, adoption during the pandemic. So when a customer is faced uh, with an issue, uh, they don't wait for weeks anymore. Um, they don't even wait for uh, days for re recovery action. So there is an increasing pressure on CX analytics teams in the companies uh, to detect these issues uh, uh, as early as possible, uh, sometimes in real time if possible, and trigger the necessary recovery action. Um, uh, I'll give you one example, for instance, um, uh, that I've gone through myself. Um, as Alterna, uh, we are frequently ordering office supplies online. Uh, and during the pandemic, uh, um, our favorite supplier, the company that's providing uh, these supplies, they started bringing them late and uh, we noticed missing items in the packages that they are delivering. So in our initial reaction was, um, this is okay. The pandemic has started. So these are unusual times. So let's complain and let's give them a second chance. So we complained and we gave them a second chance. We continued uh, ordering from them. But what we saw was yet again, um, in their subsequent deliveries, there are missing items. Uh, so basically that was the point where, where we decided to stop. 
buying from them. The point is, it took them nearly a month uh, to detect that we have churned away. So um, one month later, they called us back and tried to regain us by uh, lucrative, um, um, attractive campaigns and stuff. But we were not interested. And whatever uh, they said, we were not uh, uh, responding. But uh, if they were able to detect uh, the case, the, the issues we are having, uh, and uh, come up with uh, the uh, remedy action quickly, uh, probably we would be we would have stayed with them. Um, so um, the pressure to understand uh, the uh, root causes uh, behind satisfaction as well as customer behaviors uh, is uh, has significantly increased. Uh, that's one um, trend we are seeing. Um, so I'm, I'm just Robin continuing on all of them one by one. Yeah. Yeah. So we just covered the importance of real-time customer experience analytics. Yes. Um, I have a follow-up question for that, though, because sure. Alterna CX focuses on root cause analysis. So yeah. when you are talking about the usage of real-time customer experience analytics, are you also including the figuring out what the root cause analysis is as part of that? Yes. Uh, so uh, Alterna is a uh, voice of customer solution uh, uh -huh. that is capable of uh, getting uh, customer feedback, uh, making analysis on them and triggering action. Uh, in our case, we have chosen uh, insight generation and action taking as our differentiating edge, competitive capability. So underneath insight generation, uh, we uh, have the capability to uh, predict drivers of satisfaction, the root causes of dissatisfaction. So typically, Robin, in a company, um, there are at least 20, 30 CX-related uh, topics. So it could be uh, underneath the uh, personnel, it could be uh, attitudes, it could be knowledge, um, listening skills. Uh, underneath uh, delivery, it could be uh, speed of delivery, on-time delivery, um, um, you know, on the um, digital part, it could be uh, ease of finding information, um, um, uh, effort shown, et cetera, et cetera. In, in, when you sum these up, there are at least 20, 30 different topics that are uh, concerned, that could be concerned for the company. But when it comes to resources, you need to prioritize. As a CX, um, as a CX uh, team, you cannot fix everything. You don't have time, you don't have manpower, you don't have money to fix all of those issues. So what Alternative CX does is uh, uh, we model uh, the impact of uh, change in satisfaction in each of and every of these areas concurrently when they play out together. And uh, we see uh, the impact of these changes on KPIs such as NPS, Net Promoter Score. So if I change satisfaction by this much in this area, how much effect should I be expecting? Um, likewise for other areas as well. And together, so with what if simulations, um, such this is one example of the things we are capable of doing. Such examples give the power to the CX management uh, to prioritize, basically, uh, out of all these issues, which one is more important to address. Wonderful. Thanks for that. The next topic that we have, I believe, is problem solving. How do you define that one, and why is it important? Um, I mean, when you say problem solving... Um, I don't think anybody would say, no, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, yeah, it matters for sure. <laughs> um, 
Um, but again, the idea is not uh, coming up with something uh, unknown, but the idea is coming up with something that is more relevant for 2022. So uh, our belief is that um, um, because of the ch uh, challenges we have all gone through, such as shutdowns, uh, supply issues, um, and th these challenges have forced everybody uh, to be more understanding and more helpful of each other. This is true for the customers uh, as well as companies. Um, an example, for instance, before the pandemic, um, it was a, a real challenge uh, for the customer to return a product. Like the company was asking the customer to go to a physical location, go through uh, some paperwork, except they weren't making it easy. Uh, but now um, they are increasingly making it easy uh, and applying humane processes. Um, one company, um, it's called Pepsi Broda, which is an uh, online marketplace um, uh, in the e-commerce business. Uh, they initiated a service uh, when, where they actually sent somebody uh, to pick up the returned product from the customer's home. So it is very easy to return the product. Um, uh, now, um, this is a, a focus, uh, this is a bit more co uh, costly, obviously, but the focus is on uh, solving the customer's problem, uh, uh, becoming more humane. Um, so I think this is a trend um, that is uh, increasingly seen. Another example I want to uh, give is um, from DPD. It's a German arm of a delivery company, and uh, they have uh, earned the top service Germany awards uh, for their focus on uh, transparency and technology. So basically, they have a mobile app uh, that offers live tra uh, tracking uh, of packages, and on this app, the customer uh, can change the delivery with just a few clicks, even during uh, the delivery uh, itself, like it's just half an hour, uh, you are just half an hour away from delivery, uh, but you want to change the location because you have to be somewhere, um, uh, so you want to change the location. Or you will be late for an hour, uh, something came up, and you want to change the delivery time. So you can do that with an app, with just one click, uh, and it's you know just half an hour uh, away from the delivery. So this is um, focusing, uh, this is making life maybe more difficult for the delivery team of the company, but Definitely, it's making uh, the life much easier uh, for the customer. Um, so uh, we are believing that um, companies um, will be focusing on uh, solving the problem uh, with more uh, easy and uh, humane processes uh, increasingly in 2022. Okay. And the next one, I believe, is omni-channel, you said. And yep. it's been important you know to your point on the last one it's been important for a long time why the additional focus on it this year i mean um like you said it has been important for a long time uh but it, it was like a cool capability to have up until uh, a few years ago like um, um executing um projects around uh, omnichannel was nice um, um, they were designing journeys. Uh, sometimes there were disconnects in these journeys, but it was okay because um, the revenues coming from uh, digital and the, uh, the omnichannel-related experiences were still uh, at the lower ends. So a majority of the uh, um, revenues were still coming from um, uh, non-omnichannel-related uh, journeys and uh, interactions. So it was okay. Um, but as we move forward, uh, thanks to the uh, increased uh, digitalization, it is very important to make sure that these omnichannel experiences work fine. Uh, unfortunately, there are still disconnects that we are seeing uh, in our lives uh, between these 
online versus physical versus contact center experiences. And I want to give a couple of examples. These are all real examples, by the way. So there's a company called uh, Morhipo, which is an online retailer. Um, a friend of mine, uh, she uh, ordered, uh, she made an order uh, for a product uh, online using Morhipo. Uh, and then there was an issue on the, about the delivery, and then she called the uh, she had to call the contact center. Uh, so the uh, company uh, asked her about the ten-digit order number to be able to proceed. So actually, um, she is they have all the information about her as well as the uh, order, but um, because of the disconnect between their online system versus the contact center system, the contact center system doesn't see this information. So it's asking this ten-digit order number. Uh, to give service, uh, um, you know, you wouldn't be surprised that many people don't remember 10-digit order numbers because they are making so many purchases. Um, another one, uh, again, a real example. This is a company in retail. Um, the customers are able to purchase online, so they have addressed that. Uh, but the retailer is asking the customer to go to a specific location for pickup. Uh, so they haven't set the delivery uh, part yet. Uh, again, there is a disconnect between online versus the physical delivery. So basically, it's not a good exam. Um, it's not a good experience for the uh, for the customer. Maybe a final one. This example uh, I will be given. Uh, this is actually pre-pandemic uh, example as well. So this is not specific uh, to pre-pandemic era. Uh, up until two, um, you know, uh, two years ago, um, retailer companies uh, were uh, designing. Uh, uh, omnichannel journeys where the customer was able to uh, make a uh, reservation online, uh, but uh, the customer wants to go to the store to, to, for instance, if it's the clothing, they want to try it out. So they want to test the product. So uh, there's a reservation online uh, uh, part uh, uh, followed by the actual uh, shop visit. Uh, so that was the journey, uh, one of the uh, journeys in the omnichannel um, um, designs that they were working on. Uh, but what turned out was because after the customer ran to the uh, shop, um, the uh, reserved products uh, uh, was under a pile of um, uh, merchandise in the store. And uh, it took a long time for the store uh, personnel to find that specific product. So as a customer, you go to the store, you wait 10 minutes, 20 minutes just uh, for the uh, shop uh, people to find the product in the, in this, in the warehouse. Um, so this is again a disconnect. Yeah, you made a great service design. Online it works well, but in the physical world, um, uh, it's not working well. Um, so they have to be fixed. They have, uh, have to be um, addressing such uh, disconnects. I would say before it was more tolerable, but during uh, after this pandemic, um, it is uh, really causing issues for the companies. I think here in this country, we have our share of disconnects, especially in the physical realm. Ram, I, I, I imagine that you have some stories of your own about Omnichannel and U.S. handling of that. Yeah, I, I think maybe a slightly different tangent. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking to and working with a lot of B2B companies. And so um, one of the one of the big escalations or elevations i think this year has been business to business organizations with sophisticated um interaction models specifically where they have large-scale sales and service teams um out on the street effectively working with their customers and so an example of that would be 
um, you know, we're working with a with a technology company um, in financial services, and they have seen some some significant pushback from their customers where their account teams um, don't know what's been going on in the in the digital online world. We, we refer to that as the the digital account team member, kind of the rise of the digital account team member, which is going to eventually be the rise of the intelligent bot account team member. Um, but there's disconnects. And then the other side of that coin is where the organization themselves are using their account team as their primary listening post to understand the customers and getting blindsided by customer reactions like cancellations and defections where you know everything they've got from the account team is that everything's going okay, probably because the account teams are mostly saying, if it's not going okay, it must be the account team. So I think everything's great. Um, and so it's just, uh, we're, we're seeing the omni-channel piece in B2B, where in many cases, the, you know, the individual customer value, the transaction value can be in the, you know, thousands, millions, tens of millions of dollars. Um, and so there's a real increase in focus around trying to understand, to your point, Garal, around data and deeper understanding of root cause analysis to use the ever-increasing amount of data about those experiences across all the interaction channels for the customer to try and get a much deeper understanding about what's causing the problems and what to do about it. The one that I'm really interested in getting into here is hyper-personalization. What does that mean, girl, when you say that? And what does that look like? Sure. Um, Robin, before... Um customer experience uh, days, uh, I'm talking about maybe um, 15, uh, 20 years ago, um, uh, I, was, uh, I was doing a lot of CRM projects. Um, and and I, I explained uh, before um, my experience during those days. And um, there was this personalization uh, concept, um, which is basically uh, making use of uh, all uh, customer related data uh, behavior data, value data, needs related data pro, uh, profile uh, to come up with uh, custom messages, custom greetings, custom offers, custom uh, connect, uh, connections um, over the channels, um, you name it. So personalization. Um, so uh, before, uh, things like greeting someone uh, using their own name uh, was kind of a good practice was sufficient. Like, oh, this company is doing a personalization. Like, uh, hi, Graham. I'm sending out your campaign offer and starts with hi, Graham. Oh, um, so uh, that, that was enough for personalization. Uh, and then uh, thanks to CRM technologies, next best offers and um, offers related with what Graham might be interested in um, um, uh, came into place. Uh, so it wasn't only hi, Graham. It was also about hi, Graham. We have an offer which we believe you could be interested and behind the technology says Graham is interested because he has shown this behavior, he has consumed this product, so it's very likely that he will be using these products. This is all CRM-related stuff. Um, but um, something happened uh, in uh, the pandemic era uh, in 2020, as well as this year, 2021. Uh, we have stayed for a long time at home, for long periods. Um, and companies like Netflix, HBO, Amazon Prime, etc., they significant, made, made very good use of uh, these technologies to come up with, um, I would, uh, you know, the, the term hyper-personalized, but very specific content um, um, 
that, that you that you watched, uh, for instance, in this example, uh, um, uh, over, over the last couple of months. Uh, so uh, we are, as customers, a bit spoiled now. So we are expecting companies uh, to, uh, to come to us uh, with very relevant offers um, uh, that are right on spot because we, are, we don't want to spend time trying to look for um, uh, movies, in this case, um, or content uh, or products. We want the, pro the company uh, to know it for us and come, come to us. So we just basically pick it up and consume it. Um, so that's kind of um, um, what is behind hyper-personalization. Um, unfortunately, um, yes, there are good names like this Netflix and HBO's and stuff like that that we are giving uh, as examples, but there are pretty bad examples as well. For instance, I know a company um, that is working with uh, restaurants, is providing uh, supplies to restaurants, uh, and uh, in their uh, supposedly personalized I'm not saying hyper-personalized, I'm saying just personalized offering. Um, they are, uh, you know, there's a list of products for them and there's a baby diaper, baby's diaper uh, in the list. So probably something went wrong, maybe um, data got mixed up in their CRM systems, but uh, in the name of personalization, uh, it ended up uh, as an experience um, uh, in the eyes of customer uh, that has uh, decreased the credibility of the company. So they should be paying a lot of attention uh, to um, what they do in the name of uh, personalization. Um, a final, um, on, on this point, uh, a final uh, comment I want to make is, uh, maybe you also received it, Robin, um, like uh, some companies are sending, you, uh, sending us messages like, we miss you. So it's obvious that, again, using uh, CRM background, they are seeing lack of sufficient activity. The customer has become inactive. Uh, so they want to reactivate the customer and they say, hey, we miss you. Uh, it's okay, uh, but uh, there is nothing uh, underneath it. Like missing me is not enough as a customer. Uh, again, with hyper-personalization uh, logic, tell me what you can offer me. That's exactly very relevant to me. And, you know, I would just directly uh, go and consume it so you won't miss me anymore. But they don't do that. So it's at the very high level, we miss you level with no personalized con uh, content that will drive the customer uh, to come back. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Getting a message that says, we miss you is not that impressive <laughs> to me yeah. personally, right? It's just going to get so lost in the background noise. But if you tell me I'm getting 20% off on something I really want, that's a different matter. Definitely. Yeah, and I would, I, I would add to that, Robin, you parsing the words you used right so give me 20 percent off on something i want and if you've been interacting with me for a while i would almost assume you know that i mean i have my own personal gripe statement which is maybe a little unfair so i'm a, I'm a big fan of crm technology companies and we use a variety of different ones across companies one of those is zoho crm and every time we just did it again every time we pay our annual bill they give us a credit so it's like a thank you credit, which is kind of cool, right? So you spend a couple of thousand dollars, they give you a hundred bucks. They put it in account and then they come back to us and tell us we can't spend that money on any of the things. <laughs> that we want. You can only spend that money on things we don't want. And it's like, it's like, don't, it's like my favorite American Express um, card, a companion flying voucher that they've been giving me for 15 years. And they have so many restrictions on it. You can never actually use it on any of the flights, not that I've been taking flights recently, but on any of the flights we take. So it's like, 
trying to trying to personalize to your point, Goral, whether it's a hi, we miss you message or, you know, if you're going to personalize, do it well. If you're not going to do it well, definitely, maybe you shouldn't definitely. bother. Because it's, it has um, uh, led to the opposite effect in your case. So supposedly they are doing something good for you, but actually you're telling this example to us and lots of people are, is, uh, are uh, listening to it. So if you're not going to do it uh, in the right way, don't do it. Yeah, none of those things push me over to, uh, you know, necessarily violate my brand loyalty enough to push me out. But I'm sure there's some people who aren't quite as loyal to American Express and Zoho as I am. So, you know, I, I can imagine there's some people where it's just like an eye roll and a defection to a different, a different exactly. provider. Okay. The number five topic on the list then I believe is the rise of employee experience why this year, girl? What's happening? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure uh, you've heard the expression "happy employees" mean happy customers. You heard it, this expression oh, a yeah. thousand times. Uh huh. <clears throat> so don't worry, I'm not going to repeat it. Um, uh, <laughs> um, the the the, uh, the the idea here is uh, it is getting increasingly harder to make employees happy. So that's what the companies are uh, facing, um, uh, especially during the pandemic. Uh, so um, as, as some jobs like uh, restaurant chefs, and truck drivers, uh, couriers uh, who are you know bringing these um, ordered products to people's homes on motorbikes and stuff like that, um, uh, they are increasingly difficult to find. Uh, they are uh, in short. You know, there's a shortage of them, so uh, their compensation has significantly uh, gone up. Uh, so I have. I looked at uh, some stats um, uh, before the call. There are many different numbers, but you know, just one number. For instance, um, the compensation of truck drivers in the UK has increased by fifty uh, percent plus uh, when compared to to two thousand eighteen levels. Uh, so we are all we have all read uh, news about the shortage of these truck drivers. Obviously, this is a famous example, but this is the same for couriers for restaurant chefs, and not only in the UK, in a lot of countries. So it is increasingly uh, getting difficult to meet and exit employee expectations um, uh, um, uh, going forward. And we believe this is a critical success for, factor for 2022. Um, uh, obviously, this is, uh, this is an example for the blue color on the um, uh, you know, white color uh, employee side. And there is obviously the work from home model or hybrid models that have been applied and adapted uh, in the last couple of years. And um, companies are now making these temporary arrangements more permanent. But uh, it means um, you know, significant uh, change in uh, way of working for these companies. It's not easy always. Uh, nevertheless, the companies uh, are increasingly under pressure to apply uh, such newness, such new way of workings. Uh, not only for the blue colors, but also the white color employees, uh, to make them happy. So, in, in order to make the customers happy, it's important to have a strategy to make the employees happy, so that you have enough people to actually take care of your customers. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. I mean, regardless of what you do. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think I think. I think the other part of that tagline that you kind of left off, Robin, is yes, and it's getting increasingly harder to do both, which is going to be the big, big, big challenge, right? I mean, yesterday's, whether it's hyper-personalization, whether it's employee satisfaction, 
you know, yesterday's targets and outcomes and standards and techniques are not going to be, or at least delivered in the way they were delivered yesterday, are just not going to be good enough tomorrow. Yeah. And that brings me to my next question. Um, so we have our five topics here for this year. And I'd like to challenge both of you, uh, Graham and Gurel, from you know, each of your different perspectives, the U.S. and Central Europe, which one of these five topics do you think are going to be important or the most important going forward past this year into 2023 and beyond? Which one of these would you put at the top of the list to move forward past this year? Uh, Graham, let's start with you. Uh, from the U.S. perspective, which one of these five would you put at the top of the list? Um, I think it's. I think it's. It, it really comes around the core of. I mean, I don't really quite the five as much as the core of what Alterna is all about. I mean, it's it's data. It's it's using it's using data to and and human activity around that data to drive deeper and deeper and deeper understanding of what customers want what the root causes are of their problems and how you deliver on those you know with with appropriate levels of personalization and precision and that that is that bar is just rising has been rising for a number of years and is i think going to continue to rise and if you do that well everything else will follow so hyper personalization through the use of more root cause analysis Okay, perfect. Girl, what do you think? I fully agree uh, with Graham, but I would uh, maybe, if I'm allowed to do so, uh, make an addition. Like I would be combining two topics into one. One of them is the data part, uh, the uh, CX analytics uh, part, but I would couple it with problem solving uh, together because it's like uh, two sides of the coin. And the, um, I, I, I'd say this, um, you know, their importance will continue beyond um, at, at 2022 because <clears throat> the customer behavior has shifted. And from my perspective, this is a permanent shift. Like the tolerance, we talked about the tolerance of the customer uh, to wait has gone down. Uh, so once you are as a customer, once you get uh, used to the speedy care, the speedy recoveries, uh, you don't accept going back from there. So the ability of CX analytics to understand the root causes, uh, to uh, to understand what makes the customer happy, what makes them angry. Uh, and whenever they are angry, uh, taking the action immediately to address that, um, uh, it will always uh, stay uh, important, um, uh, I say. So companies will need to apply CX analytics continuously to detect issues, emotions, and um, they need to apply timely recovery actions. Uh, and this needs to happen past the pandemic into 2023 and onwards. Okay, so two sides of the coin, problem solving in order to deliver hyper-personalization. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I mean, problem solving in order to... Um, address customer uh, satisfaction issues um, uh, would, be a, uh, would be a nice way to put it. Like CX analytics will um, um, uh, enable companies to identify there's the reasons and you need problem solving to address these uh, reasons because if you just identify the reasons and do nothing, nothing will change. It needs to, have, uh, both of them needs to be coupled with each other. Okay, awesome. Thank you, girl. This has been a really 
great conversation. I've really enjoyed listening to all the uh, descriptions of these topics and your anecdotes. We're going to link to your report in the show notes. So everybody listening is welcome to download that and read it for themselves. It goes into a lot of great detail on each of these topics. So thank you so much, girl. We really appreciate you being here. It's, it's been wonderful to have you here. Uh, thank you, Robin. And thank you, Graham. Uh, I had a great time. Um, it was fun. Uh, many thanks again for having me. You bet. Thank you. You're welcome. There we are. There's our pre-recorded conversation with Garul, and I'd just like to thank him once again for his generosity. And we're looking forward to continuing uh, having different conversations with people from different parts of the world about CX. And we don't have any definite locations to announce yet, but we will have those very soon. Um, so, so one other thing is, um, if we have listeners, because this podcast goes to people all around the world who, you know, want to want to be a guest and actually talk about their perspective on CX. While you said we're not announcing our formal list right now, but we've got conversations with people in all kinds of places. But, um, you know, we're, we're really looking for that perspective about, you know, wherever in the world, and and in some cases, the more different than we see it here, the better. And so if people would like to, uh, to be, to be a guest, then, you know, we can, we can figure out a way to arrange that, whether it's as a single person discussion like Goral or whether we do a group discussion with a number of people. So if you want that, um, give us a bell effectively and we'll find out a way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the conversations that we had at the very end of our podcast last week thought it would be fun to talk about what is the one food dish that they most recommend that people will try that they've never tried from that region of the world. And Gurul, um, he, he sent us a little 90-second clip of his opinion on what food to try. So I'm going to play that for you right now. There are many interesting dishes in the traditional Turkish cuisine. Uh, some of them are well-known. Uh, others are not. Uh, let me recommend two of them uh, today. Uh, the first one is dolma. Uh, dolma is a stuffed dish uh, that can be served uh, warm uh, or cold. Uh, typically, it's made by wrapping the leaves, mostly grape or cabbage leaves, um, around the filling such as rice. It's very delicious. Um, another recommendation I may have is burek or burek. Um, basically, burek is a filled pastry. Uh, made of a thin flaky dough uh, with a variety of fillings uh, such as meat, cheese, spinach, potatoes. Uh, I love it very much. Uh, and the third recommendation I might have is maybe baklava. Um, it's a traditional Turkish dessert, uh, also known as pistachio baklava. Uh, it is typically made of uh, filo dough, finely crushed pistachios, butter, Sometimes a simple uh, syrup made of sugar, uh, water, and lemon juice. Um, let's hope that our listeners uh, enjoy these dishes. And there's Girl letting us know what he recommends for the top food dish from Central Europe, or more specifically, Turkey. And let us know what your favorite food is, too. Uh, if you're from a different location in the world, it doesn't actually matter where, but we would love to share that put together a little list, see, see if there's any way we can beat Jamaican ginger, 
Jamaican. Jamaican spice ginger cake. Jamaican spice ginger, spice ginger cake. cake. Write it on a post-it. I'm going to have to do that. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. And until then, do CX right. And do it right now. Thank you.